Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Welcome to Spectrum's weekly podcast, Adventist Voices. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I'm honored to be sharing a guest with you for our series, Ministering Under Quarantine. Welcome, Michael. Hey, Alex. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. Let me introduce you before we jump into some questions. Uh, Michael Gibson um, is the pastor for young adults at the Keene Church in Texas and adjunct professor at Southwestern Adventist University's uh, Department of Religion. So I'm looking forward to talking to you about how you've been ministering under quarantine and kind of thinking creatively. So let's jump in and just tell me a little bit of how it's affected you, especially at the beginning when everything kind of locked down. Yeah, so we, the, the Keene Church, we've got about 3,000 members on books and um, about 1,000 to 1,200 people that will meet um, weekly um, before quarantine. So obviously right off the bat, um, that's kind of a, a large group of people meeting, um, especially with all the um, virus going around and everything wasn't ideal. And it's very difficult for us being a, a, an Adventist institutional church uh, we're right on the campus of Southwestern Adventist University and to pivot from everything focused around our buildings and large gatherings of people to go online. Um, that was definitely um, kind of challenging for us. Um, but I think one of the the biggest um, ways that we've been able to, to hold our people together um, and to be able to minister and to connect with people during this time is actually through um, our food bank. Um, we had started uh, a couple of years ago, uh, about a year and a half ago, actually, in November of 2018, we um, partnered with a local, a local organization called Parent Area Food Bank, and they um, supply a whole bunch of food to nonprofits, and you can sign up with them, and they'll deliver a truckload of food for several hundred families, and we started that about a year and a half ago. And right as we got around to the time of um, having to, to close our doors for weekly worship services and move online, uh, right about mid-March, um, we made the decision to continue on with our food bank. And in Texas, it was a little bit unclear at first if we were still able to do that under all the government stipulations because we're hearing one thing from the CDC and another thing from our governor and another thing from the county. And are we able still as a church to, to be able to operate that? Um, and so we went forward in faith. And that was just an incredible, an incredible um connector for our church because we weren't able to meet in uh, worship services, but we were able to meet um, serving our community. And uh, the first one right after all the lockdown and everybody's buying toilet paper and the, the store shelves are going empty, uh, we were able to serve close to 350 families on a Saturday afternoon, uh, which represents close to, I think it was 1,400 individuals. Um, and one afternoon, we were able to provide about two weeks of groceries for, for each family. Wow, that's fantastic. Were you yeah. always doing food banks on Sabbath afternoon, or is that something that happened under quarantine? That has actually been our modus operandi since day one. 
Um, we, in our partnership with the, with Tarrant Area Food Bank, um, had the flexibility to kind of move around. It was four or five years ago, there was another family that had partnered with them and had done a Sabbath morning uh, food bank. Uh, this was like four or five years ago. And it had kind of become a staple in the community. And then some things happened. They weren't able to continue it. And so it made sense for us to just kind of pick up where that left off. And it worked out in our partnership with Terranary Food Bank. And um, we the truck uh, drops off the food around 1130 or noon. And we open up for service uh, at one o'clock and stay till about four. So it works out really, really uh, well for our members um, because um, either we have three different worship services, uh, nine o'clock, 10, 15, 1130. And so any one of those, you can catch a worship service, worship service in a Sabbath school and then come right down and serve the community. Um, and it's been one of our, our biggest outreaches in the past year and a half. Um, and I think um, one of the, the biggest testaments to um, our biblical mandate to, to love our brother. Um, and I can't think of a, a better day to do that on than Sabbath. And it really um, kind of speaks to the essence of it. Um, and we, you know, there are some people that are like, oh, that's a lot of work. And should we be doing that on the Sabbath? And, uh, our pastoral staff kind of took the approach of like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do this. And if you see things differently, we just, we ask that you, you stay home, um, pray for us. Um, but don't come around and, and ruin it for somebody else. Um, and you know, when you, when you see people's faces, uh, coming in with total despair and then leaving with a little bit of hope that they know where their next meal is coming from. Um, there's to me, nothing more worshipful than that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, can you talk about how, like what sort of, uh, kind of mix of folks from your community are, have been showing up to food bank, uh, during mm -hmm. the, uh, quarantine. I know that you work with young adults, um, but obviously you have a, a large congregation there and a, a kind of huge Adventist yeah. community. So what sort of folks have you been um, mixing with uh, from the, from the, from your own community? Sure. Um, we uh, particularly, our zip code is fairly small. Uh, we only have about 6,000 people in our um, little town of Keene. Um, but the kind of demographics of the people coming in um, is very mixed. I mean, we have our, our town itself, I would kind of ballpark that there's maybe 50% of the residents are Adventist. Um, so that's, you know, definitely a lot larger than um, you know, a metropolitan area or some of our uh, other churches that um, are up in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Um, but we get quite a mix um, of, of demographic, young to old, um, low income to um, more middle class. Um, we don't really have any... Um, any super hard uh, uh, restrictions on who can have access to food. Um, basically, if someone is in need and they, you know, have had an emergency come up, and particularly during the time of quarantine, we've we've not turned anybody away um, just because it's affected so many people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so yeah, and we uh, we serve uh, people that are members of our congregation will come through and get food, and people that are not members of our congregation. Um, other Christians, people from the community. It's just a, it's such a broad mix, um, which is, um, I think, something super beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about um, you during quarantine. Um, are there mm -hmm. things that you're used to doing in your role as a pastor that you're not doing that you miss? 
Ah, that's a that's a good question. Um, yes, I I I'm. I used to, I don't know if brag is the right word, but I used to tell people that I'm an extroverted introvert. Um, <laughs> I, after, you know, a, a regular Sabbath pre-quarantine and all that, I just, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm not burned out, but I'm, I'm just tired. You know, you're, you're on your A game for um, several hours, mixing and mingling with people and it just um, leaves you, leaves you tired. Um, but the first Sabbath that we closed our doors and said, Hey, please join us online. Um, I realized how much of an impact physical contact and just being in fellowship with other people and gathering with our uh, church family, how much I missed that. Uh, and so I think the biggest thing in, in quarantine is just the ability to physically be present with fellow believers uh, and fellow people who are on the same page about mission and about service. Um, we retained a little bit of that through the food bank. Uh, we actually... Uh, we upped our food bank to twice a month instead of once a month. So okay. we were doing, um, during quarantine, doing it twice a month, um, serving 300 families, um, 1,200 individuals or so um, every week that we did it. Um, and so we got a little bit of, of connection that way. Um, but just the idea of corporate worship, um, you know, I think uh, the church is bigger than four walls, but there's something special about the ability that we have to come together as a large body. Um, to worship and to study and to pray and to grieve and to, to rejoice. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing I've missed. Um, but I've also definitely not missed um, all of the, the meetings and all of the, the activities and running from this thing to that thing. Um, I was talking with my wife, Melissa, a couple of days ago. Um, and we were just talking about how it's been super nice to actually be home. Um, she's a, she's a nurse, works in one of our local hospitals and working on her master's as well. And, you know, between her busy schedule and my busy schedule, sometimes we'd be like ships in the night and just kind of passing each other by. But, um, it's been so nice to, to be home, to experience Sabbath. And, um, I think a way that's closer to the biblical example, um, and to not be so caught up in the, the business of ministry. And it's helped me help their pastoral staff, um, our, our young adult lead team, um, kind of realize what's essential. I mean, what do we need to be doing as a, as a church and as a community to be connected? Uh, and then letting everything else kind of just kind of shift off. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you mind just um, reflecting, because you have a role there of ministering to young adults, uh, have you been mm-hmm. thinking about how your work with them um, is going to be, you know, how it's changed and how it, you know, might change. I'm not asking you to prognosticate here too much, but I'm just curious if you've noticed, are you, you know, are you going to have to do Zoom meetings? Um, you know, uh, are you waiting yeah. to see how the university is going to plan the, you know, next year? Um, wh- you know, how are you thinking yeah. about how that might uh, shift or, or not change? Yeah, right now it's so hard because everything's so much up in the air. Yeah, um, we even saw a couple of our local Adventist churches opened up the past couple of weeks, and we saw some outbreaks, mini outbreaks of coronavirus since they opened up. And oh. we're still now um, we're talking right now on uh, May twenty second. We're still um, closed, um, planning to open June thirteenth, um, but it's just so much up in the air. Um, but I think we've. Uh, particularly with my young adults, we have a young adult ministry that we call Elevate. Um, we do a, 
a weekly a worship service uh, that's young adult driven, um, very, very intentional and um, deep focus on scripture and, and centered on Christ. Uh, and that has been, um, this whole quarantine has actually brought us together. I've got a lead team of about um, eight to 10 young adults uh, who have been, are kind of the, the, I don't know, they're a mini church board. Uh, we're not officially recognized as a, as a own church entity ourselves. We're still under the auspices of the Keen Church, but we um, have a certain level of autonomy that the church board at large has granted us, which we're super thankful for. Um, and we've connected over Zoom. Um, we've taken our, our meetings on Zoom, and that's actually in some ways has helped us connect better um, because um, we're a little bit more comfortable because we're doing it from home. Um, and the kind of the leveling of like, wow, we're all in this together. Hmm. Um, it's a little bit hard to hold up your pretense when you're sitting in your living room or at your desk at home um, in a place that's natural. And instead of coming to the church for a meeting and um, kind of pretending that everything's okay, but we know that we're all uh, kind of um, suffering through this together. So that's been super uh, beneficial for us. And it's kind of, brought us together as we've been doing weekly worship services still in our sanctuary. We've got a small team that's been putting those on. Um, it's just really solidified us. Um, and I'm very thankful for that because, um, it's, it's helped us grow as a team. Um, and we're on the same page and really following God's leading, um, through all of this, uh, for the university, um, they're planning at this point to be, um, I would probably guess 75% open in the fall. Um, back to uh, in-person classes. But I think there's been a shift of huh, technology. Um, there's ways that we can use technology to augment our in-person uh, connection and ways to make things better. And that's kind of sight unseen of how all that packs out. Um, you know, I definitely have missed having our students on campus, um, worshiping with them every week. I'm heavily involved with our, our spiritual life office um, under the, the leadership of uh, Pastor Russ Laughlin, who's the VP for spiritual life there, and April Snyder, our associate chaplain. And it's been a blast to work with them. Um, but there's something to be said about the, the physical connection, um, that the digital connection doesn't quite get you. Um, definitely received a lot more feedback, and we feel a little bit more connected because we're forced to over the over video screen and over calls and texts and, you know, you don't just bump into somebody and so you've got to be more intentional with that. So I appreciate the intentionality of the digital connections, but um, definitely um, trying to wrap my mind around how we um, safely um, seek gathering back together um, in a physical capacity. And I think it's definitely going to make us more appreciative of the time when we are able to, to open up and be close together is going to help us cherish uh, each other's presence that much more. Yeah. You know, I've been talking with folks for this ministering under quarantine series and some folks have looked at how the technology has actually allowed um, Sabbath schools to become relevant um, for more people. Mm -hmm. um, you can mm -hmm. get really interesting um, discussion leaders to come in and invite uh, folks that to participate that aren't just limited by their kind of geographical um, connection. And so um, there's mm -hmm. kind of been a flourishing of these kind of Zoom Sabbath schools all over. I'm curious yeah. for you, it sounds like you've been holding some type of weekly service. Is that right? Through uh, yeah, that's correct. Um, 
Have you been delivering messages for that, preaching something like that? Yeah, uh, that's actually uh, one thing that I wanted to mention. For the first, I think, three weeks of quarantine, um, I was we kind of had our standard worship service that included songs, uh, you know, a simple liturgy that with scripture reading and prayer and offering appeal and stuff, according, of course, everything is uh, online giving. Um, and so for, I think it was three weeks, um, continue to do sermons and I involved our student pastors, our pastoral interns in that as well. And they preach. Um, but, and that was, I had set up a, a series back in the beginning of the year that we were looking at the life of Abraham. And so I wanted to finish that series out. And I thought about, man, in the, and th- at this point it was the beginning of April and, um, kind of, uh, we didn't have a light at the end of the tunnel of when we're going to be coming back. And I was like, man, we've got to make a pivot here. Um, because everybody, every other church live stream I'm seeing, a lot of them for their worship services are simply doing music and somebody preaching to a camera at home. Um, <laughs> for me, I, I wouldn't want to watch that. You know, I, you know, sure. Uh, Dwight Nelson, I'm sure he's been preaching some fantastic sermons, Randy Roberts over in California. You know, some of our leading um, evangelists and pastors and preachers have been doing that. It's been excellent. It's been meeting a need. Um, but for me personally, man, what can there be some discussion and dialogue? Because what we're really missing in all of this is that discussion and the dialogue. And so I completely changed up my sermon delivery format to be a conversation with another person. And so I've been doing a series uh, this past month. Um, we finish it in the um, two weeks from now, uh, but it's called uh, you got to try this. And it's um, I did a couple of uh COVID-19 kind of connections in the beginning, but I moved past it because I feel like everybody has heard enough about COVID-19 and how it connects with church or Bible prophecy and how the end of the world and this and the other thing. What we need right now is to rekindle our relationship with Jesus. Um, and God can use the opportunity of quarantine for me, myself, to get to know him better because he's created space in my life that is now freed up because it's not taken up by meetings, this activity and that. And so the whole series has been about different practical ways that we can try an experimental and experiential relationship with God. And so through that series, I've invited um, some of my young adult lead team members, uh, um, Pastor Russ from Southwestern Adventist University, um, another pastor friend of mine from Richardson, Johnny Wilsinski, I had him down last week. And we've been literally just having a dialogue. Um, We'd still do it on our stage. Um, but we've got two tables across from each other. So properly physically distanced. Um, we got our uh, studio radio microphones going on and uh, we just kind of talk about um, the different topics that we've been focusing on. So we've been encouraging people to try the story of the Bible, to, to try, um, to try beauty, to try the Sabbath, uh, to try community this week we're talking about um, trying abundance, uh, of abundance kind of versus scarcity ideas. Uh, and that I've received overwhelming feedback from that people very much enjoyed the conversations that I've been having um, with different people each week because uh, it allows someone at home to feel like they're a part of a conversation instead of just feeling like, oh, I'm just the one sitting here expected to take in whatever the pastor is saying. Uh, and it's really allowed my personality and the personality of uh, the guests that I've brought in to shine through. And it's not so much um, making sure that the sermon is polished and it's clever and it's got the right words. Um, it's, it's, it's out of the, the overflow of, of a study. And it just kind of wells up out of us and we're able to talk and dialogue. 
Um, and that's been, um, I think, something that I'll carry forward out of quarantine um, of how we incorporate that even into our live gatherings when we're able to meet back together. Um, how do we make the presentation of the gospel more conversational, more, more discussion-based in a way that's meaning, meaningful and relevant um, when you have people sitting in the room? Yeah, I love that idea. Um, please send me a link, and I'll include it yeah. in the podcast post so folks can uh, enjoy yeah. your conversations, if you don't mind. Yes, I'll absolutely do that. Cool. Well, I've got uh, maybe two questions left. I'm just curious, because you also are part of the university there, what sort of things do you teach? Uh, so I'm an adjunct professor for the religion department, and I um, am only teaching one class um, this year, and it's a class called Integrated Wellness Connections. Uh, and it was actually developed over, I had the chance to develop it last summer, and it stems from the need of uh, recognition that a lot of our students that come to Southwestern Adventist University aren't Adventist, um, and that's a cool thing. But for uh, some of our religion classes, uh, it can be difficult for someone who hasn't grown up within the Adventist church to catch the Adventees and to catch some of the basic knowledge that somebody who has grown up in the Adventist church and, and the classes are based off of that basic knowledge. If you don't have that, you kind of feel like you're swimming because uh, the university requires everyone to take, uh, no matter their major, to take four religion classes over the course of their, their studies uh, for an undergraduate degree. And so I worked with the nursing department um, to develop that class. And it's really about looking at the, the biblical ways that we can connect with people. Um, how did Jesus connect with people? How did, how did the characters of the Bible connect with, with people around them? Um, how do different worldviews interact? And is it possible for me as a Christian to have conversations uh, with people that may not hold my values? Um, whether it be different denominational values or maybe even different religious values um, or different cultural values, whatever it is. And so it's a deep dive into relational experiences and how you can apply the ways of Jesus to your life, no matter your background, no matter the background of the person that you're talking to, in order to um, seek whole person wellness for them and for yourself. And so we do a lot of self-reflection, um, looking at how, how, how does who I am affect how I relate with others? And I get to know myself a little bit more who God's created me to be. And that allows me to, to speak and to act and to interact in my strengths um, and to be confident in connecting with people around me. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, what we cover in a semester. Um, and that class is just, it's been a blast um, because it's, uh, I see the students that I have that are from a Seventh-day Adventist background um, I see their, their bubbles starting to be popped and their, their walls against other religions and denominations started to be torn down. Um, and I see the students that I have that are from different faith backgrounds, um, seeing how Adventism isn't actually as weird as maybe they've experienced before. Um, and that there's a benefit in multiple faith groups coming together to dialogue about experiences. That sounds like a fantastic course. Um, I was wondering how I could uh, shove a quick discussion about disc golf into this. And because you brought up <laughs> wellness and, of course, exercise is important um, normally and especially under quarantine and someone I love um, sport and competition and just having fun with other folks. And yeah. I am a 
avid disc golfer and I know that you are. So I'm wondering, uh, I don't know if you've done much. I'm not asking you to theologize disc golfing, but would you mind just kind of <laughs> reflecting on uh, what you love about the sport um, since you yeah. obviously um, uh, like to uh, stay active? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the, the thing that I love the most about disc golf uh, is the community um, and the ease of access uh, that we have to disc golfing. You know, there's um, high, you know, you go to, to golf, uh, which is similarly equivalent. You just got different, same concept, just different equipment. Um, but the cost that goes into golfing is, is very extreme and it takes quite a bit of skill. Um, but disc golf, you can pick up a couple sets of discs and just kind of go out and start throwing. You start to get the hang of it. Um, and all of a sudden you're, you're making aces and birdies and enjoying <laughs> it. Um, actually one of my, my church members who's uh, part of our young adult community got me into it last summer. So I've only actually been playing for about nine months, full disclosure. Uh, but I've loved it. And he taught me some of the ropes and he was just encouraging me along the way. And it's allowed me to connect with people in our community, um, be a part of the, the Johnson County's our County here. And there's a Johnson County disc golf association and, um, we get together regularly, um, particularly during quarantine, we're doing small groups with physical distancing and not playing as often and kind of keeping to some of the, um, less popular courses and that type of thing. But, uh, I've, the thing I've loved about disc golf the most is meeting new people, um, being out in nature, spending a couple hours with some good friends, um, talking life, talking disc golf, uh, with no pressure on evangelism or, you know, I got to preach Jesus to you as a pastor and all this. No, I just, I'm rubbing shoulders with you and I'm wanting to learn from you because I'm, I'm not sure that I'd qualify myself as an avid disc golfer. I pick up some discs and swing it. <laughs> Still looking for a, uh, a, 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 a below par round on a couple of the courses that we play. Um, but it's just been so fun to learn. And it's been humbling for me because um, there's guys that play like that are definitely better than I. And it just kind of gives me my, my weekly um, shot in the arm of, uh, you know, just kind of that ego check um, that keeps me grounded. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's such a fun sport. Seems like it would be so simple to throw something that's like a Frisbee for folks who don't know uh, a couple right. hundred yards. But um, every yeah. once in a while you uh, get a throw that is, is transformative and you think, at least I do, I figured this sport out. This is going to be amazing. And then. I yeah. hit a tree and my round yeah. goes um, yeah. into the ground. So, yeah. I just played around a couple of days ago and one of my buddies and I were talking before. He's like, you've ever you know, thrown one of those shots that you just think is amazing and then you totally miss it on your putting <laughs> and you go from like birdie opportunity to bogey? I was like, yeah, I don't have too many of those. Literally the next hole had the perfect drive. And then I, um, I parred the hole. I had the, uh, I had the birdie opportunity oh, yeah. and I parred it, and I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> little 15 foot putt that I missed. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been it, great. It sounds like those that keep coming back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been great chatting with you, uh, Michael. Thanks so much for what you're doing for the Adventist community and for opening up and talking about how this quarantine has affected you. My pleasure. Thank you um, for the invite um, and prayers go out to anybody listening to this and in the ministry capacities that you're serving in. Um, we're all in this together. So true. Be well. You as well. Yeah.
Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move when the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. <laughs>